Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and physical therapy pearls of wisdom to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is really to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. Before we hop into talking about breath, I just need to talk about one of Jen and my other favorite topics, which is the feet. Y'all know how we talk about how important our feet are to our movement and making sure that we can feel the foundation of the ground underneath us. Of course, one of the most important ways to do that and one of the easiest ways to do that is be barefoot more often. And if you're going to be wearing shoes, make sure you're wearing Vivo barefoot shoes. It is what Jen and I wear every day whether we're working out, whether we're outside walking, or whether we're dressing up, we seriously have Vivos for every occasion. If you go down and check the link in the show notes and use code TOB15 for 15% off, you can try out Vivos today. And you have a 100-day trial period where you can send them back if you aren't completely satisfied. So please go take this holiday season, give yourself or your loved one a chance to open up their feet Give them that wide toe box that Vivos have, the flexible bottom and the thin bottom that allow us to free up our feet's movement and feel the ground beneath us a little bit better. Again, click the link in the show notes. There's been a code change. Use code OPTIMAL now at checkout to get that 15% off. The code is OPTIMAL. All right, let's head into the episode. Back on the podcast, we have Brian McKenzie. Now we interviewed Brian during our first batch of interviews, I feel like it was episode 11. If you want to go take a listen, because we did talk about the breath a lot in that episode, but Brian's coming back to just further explain things in this episode to really dive deeper into what's nasal breathing. And really, Brian's a human performance expert, educator, author, public speaker. He's a coach with more than two decades of experience of innovating new protocols for training Olympians, professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and high performers in numerous realms on the use of mechanical and breathing tools in order to achieve maximal output in training, competition, recovery, and stress. Not only that, but he's an author of the New York Times bestselling Unbreakable Runner, CEO and chief officer of Shift. He's a co-founder of The Art of Breath, and he's also a co-founder of XPT Life. He's also run and managed programs for the California State Correctional Institution and so many other things. He's worked and consulted for so many incredible people, including Kelly Starrett, Tim Ferriss, the U.S. military and special forces units, and so much more. He's really worked with incredible professors and colleges and continues to do the research in order to push this information forward. And I know that this podcast is going to be so informational. Brian, this is the second time on the podcast, back for round two on the Optimal Body Podcast. And we're just so honored, honestly, to be able to have these conversations with you because your breath of knowledge, breath, (laughs) but (laughs) is, is, is pretty incredible. Thank you. And the honor is all mine. I'm just stoked that you guys actually have this much interest in this stuff. So, um, and you know, it's funny is that I keep talking about breathing with people and I just never thought that I was going to end up in a place where I'm talking about breathing. (laughs) It seems to be the the thing that I I talk about. (laughs) Well, it's it's funny you say that because, you know, we've been doing this podcast for a little while now and I feel like 
every episode, regardless of if we're talking about something that has to do with the shoulders, something that has to do with stress, something that has to do with, you know, core work, pelvic floor, anything. We we always are coming around to the breath and we're just like, oh yeah. And of course you need to pay attention to your breathing uh, and, and figure out how that syncs up with this specific movement or injury. So, I mean, we're both kind of breath fanatics and I feel like people who listen to this can't get enough of it. And if they are sick of it, then they've already probably stopped listening because we talk about it like every single episode. <laughs> well, it's appreciated, um, especially with your guys' background. And, you know, and I mean, what's interesting is, is so my girlfriend actually is a PT in LA mm-hmm. and she just stopped working at a clinic. Mm-hmm. She came from Canada. So she just, she had to work under somebody else's license to get licensed here, even though she's been practicing for like 10 years. Yeah. And she was like, there are none of the PTs to this clinic have any idea about breathing and yeah. how fun and, and how it works with like movement or even pain. And so it, it, it's, it, it, I feel like, you know, from a PT standpoint, you know, your guys, both backgrounds are as PTs and you're well-educated in this department, but the world I feel itself is still not understanding the connection with it and how important it is. Um, and, and I think people also think that it's like such a simple idea that it's just not as effective as like they, th- that it's being touted as being. Um, but it's appreciated that you guys talk, it, it comes up all the time and that the word is getting out. Um, you know, and I, I, I would not, as I was stating, I would not, I, I just can't believe that I'm still talking about this, but <laughs> breathing in and of itself, but you know, I got into the health and fitness and performance industry because I like to go fast. Like I like to go fast. I like to train hard. I like to do performance oriented things. And it wasn't until stumbling into breathing that I was like, Oh my God, like this is like the lowest hanging fruit in performance. And so that then trickled into, well, what about like, pain, anxiety, like mental, physical disorders, things like that, like scoliosis, uh, whatever, like it all fits into this thing. If you really want to take the idea that far, um, and it can really help a lot of people. Oh my gosh. I think you just said so many trigger words also for people that are going to be like, well, how does it relate to that and that and that? (laughs) So (laughs) I would love to bring it back to like, even just how breath relates to pain and how those can Mm, be interconnected in physical therapy when we're addressing someone who has current pain like how does breath play a role in that Uh, originally how i stumbled into that idea was i was looking i was reading a book by norman deutsch called the brain's way of healing and he was talking about how people who deal with chronic pain have upwards of 15 to 20% more neurons in that area of the brain dealing with pain, managing pain for that specific area, wherever pain's at, they dedicate 15 to 20% more neurons than people who are not in chronic pain. So he connected it to phantom limb syndrome. And that was kind of eye-opening because that, that tells us that more or less you're creating this neurological path that doesn't necessarily exist, but it, it just shows you how how strong the brain is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started looking at things and, and how the brain operates and how pain receptor sites get more exacerbated, how we've got opioid receptor sites on every cell and how 
you know, people who have chronic pain tend to get caught in these feedback loops, right? And it just so happens that the pain centers are located next to the respiration centers in the brainstem. Mm -hmm. And so control of breathing is something we have, like we have this unique thing, thing we can do where I don't have to think about it for most of the day. And even at night when I sleep, right. But for any time I do think about it, I can take it offline or online, right? I can bring it up into the cortex. And now I'm actually thinking about my breathing. And if I actually can induce some controlled breathing of some sort, I'm doing a couple things. I'm actually forcing my brain to stop thinking about the pain. And secondarily, I'm changing how the system is actually working physiologically with, with energy. So I'm, I can be altering how the pH changes in the system. There's a reason why Lamaze was created for women in labor. There's a reason why these things, like there's a lot of things we forget about that have deeper um, history than we actually take the time to understand. And so when we start to take steps back and look at the principles behind the physiology and the anatomy, we can start to see where this stuff really takes shape and we can really break it down to very subtle or easy um, basic things for people like, Hey, I just want you to breathe in and out of your nose. Right. Like, and, and that's kind of like why we're, we're here today is like this whole thing we want to bring awareness to in November, which we're calling November mm-hmm. and making people more aware of just the subtle changes. Nose breathing can actually nasal breathing can actually do for people if they can actually engage in something like that. Uh, so, so many of the things you just touched on were, kind of so many of the things that started, you know, tapping into my mind and reasoning for, you know, wanting to work as more of a quote, non-traditional PT who talked about crazy things like this, you know, like breath and how that can help with your pain or your posture or your movement. And and really, you kind of touched on it. I, I started realizing in our current health system, when we're trying to educate people on pain, we we point a lot towards these dependent solutions like medications or opioids or you know things like that when in our brain we really have this endogenous self-regulating pain tool that we can tap into and kind of what I wanted to ask is if anybody's out there and has been dealing with either you know chronic pain or just you know daily pain that they might attribute to some you know just general back pain or shoulder pain like an orthopedic issue you know, you already kind of mentioned breathing through the nose is a great first step, but are there any other specific techniques that someone can do in their home right now that might help them flip that switch or access that system a little more? Just taking a couple minutes or a few minutes a day or a few times a day and slowing down your breathing just with something as simple as like resonance breathing um, or coherent breathing, same thing where you're taking, you're, you're taking, you're inhaling for five seconds, exhaling for five seconds or five, five count, five count, instead of just staring at a clock and just sitting there with yourself and going through that until you can feel a systems wide change. And this may take a few minutes for people, but usually within a few minutes, people feel a very significant change in what happens 
to their physiology by just slowing down a respiration rate to six breaths a minute. Even deeper than that is taking it even slower than that. How many breaths a minute can you do by slowing it down and just feeling comfortable, not panicky, right? And that's where we can start to gain some real control of how the physiology is working with things like pain. Um, and, and it really starts to change things like the pH. And it just so happens that when we make the pH more efficient, where we're, 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 we're stabilizing it a little more efficiently, the pain receptor sites aren't going off as, as easily. So we're, the more acidic that we actually get, the more we feel pain, right? We're going we're gonna to be expressed with more pain. And so getting our, our energy working a little more efficiently by slowing down our breathing actually can make us more, more robust with this pain. Do you think that we have the ability to then come off pharmaceuticals or people can start to step away from them when they start to work on stuff like this? Taking a principles look at pharmaceuticals, those were really ne- medicines not intended as a long-term thing. Mm-hmm. It's always, it, it's foundation was always short-term. Unfortunately, we've moved, companies have moved it into the realm of long-term, right? So you can't fix um, biology without necessarily with outward means, but I do believe that you can get yourself to a point to where you can come off of pharmaceuticals. Um, this has been my experience with it. Um, and it's been a powerful one, but that's not, I'm not a doctor. And I think that people should really take into account that they should be working with their doctor as they're working with the, uh, idea that they're trying to get a better hold of their biology and reconnecting themselves to it. But this is the way in which I understand. And in fact, if you look back on history or you look at cultures like indigenous cultures who don't have a whole lot of the Western medicine idea, they are some of the most sound and healthy people that we've ever seen. Yet, I do understand, hey, there are things like vaccinations for polio and rabies, et cetera, et cetera, that are necessary parts of life and ending kind of diseases. But what I'm talking more about are things like, hey, anxiety um, or specifically pain from, you know, a bum leg and how I can actually take the time by, you know, taking information that you're curating on pain management for movement and then actually incorporating some sort of a breath practice into that to actually gain a better understanding of how to make those changes in their system. It's a, it takes time, but working with a doctor, if you are on medications, should be the route you should be doing. And, and taking this into consideration that this shouldn't be a long-term thing. This should be a more of a short-term thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what medicine was really intended for. Mm, I think that's so pivotal. And I I love what you're saying right here because it mirrors a lot of what Jen and I say that, hey, that the plan that we should be looking for is the long-term lifetime plan. Like if, if we're continuing to look for these quick fixes that are going to solve all our problems in two days, like you're going to be looking for the rest of your life and you're going to be frustrated and you really need to find a way to work with your doctor, work with movement specialists, work with somebody who has a great background in breath. And we're going to find that long life-term practice that you'll end up getting to. Um, I, th- I think that you know we've been touching in a little bit on just how this breath can really help us 
flip the nervous system for us. And I'd love if you talk a little bit more into that, like ways that we might be able to use breath to stimulate a little bit of excitement in our nervous system so that we can be a little more alert versus allowing ourselves to use it to relax and maybe wind down at the end of the day for bed. Yeah. So just thinking of it is like a gas breath is like a gas pedal in in essence. And the slower we move it, the calmer we kind of get. Right. And then if we speed it up, which the easiest way to understand that is, well, what happens when we go and exercise really hard, our breath starts to pick up rapidly. Right. So that's due to metabolic function or energy demand, right? So the demand for oxygen goes up and the byproduct of that becomes carbon dioxide, which is triggering a breath response in order to speed up. Well, because we have actually access to taking that online and speeding that up, there are practices like Wim Hof or even holotropic or even um, you got a rebirthing. Um, There's a number of faster breathing techniques that will help kind of energize the system and just by sitting there and speeding up the breath like a simple like in fast inhale exhale through the nose where it's if you can hear this i'm actually starting to trigger more metabolic activity because the system doesn't care how it's happening it really is connected the brain stem is so old and it and it just really um is taking in information that when i offload excessive carbon dioxide it retards how much oxygen i get to use so i default into a faster energy source right so i switch energy sources instantaneously and in about five seconds after i did that i could feel a little bit of an uptick occur mm-hmm. in my energy and that's exactly what happens is that you can speed up the energy and and the intention of some of these practices are to ramp things up to then get a rebound effect of just like if you go for that runner you know that run or that workout and you feel good after the workout that's that rebound effect of dropping back into more of a parasympathetic state, right? Because you've been up in this heightened state and then bringing yourself back down. And so you can use these things in order to kind of, if you're losing energy instead of coffee all the time, you could just use a, a sped up breath practice. I love, love that. And that's such a simple way to kind of explain it as well. But getting back into November, I want to talk about why, why is it important for nasal breathing? Well, if you, if we really get down to understanding fundamental anatomy and then fundamental physiology, the nose was developed with the respiratory system in mind. The mouth was designed with the digestive system and the communication system. Now we have this mouth to breathe out of, especially when we talk, but it's also there for when there's a high demand for it. Unfortunately, most of us have become so stressed through not only isolation, but being as domesticated as we are, that we've faulted into a very easy pattern of breathing. And that easy pattern is through opening that jaw. And that also comes with, from your guys' background, poor movement patterns. When we get stuck into these poor movement patterns that are more kyphotic, the heads, you know, the 
the the heads tilted for or tilted forward right the it's very easy to breathe when i open my jaw and it's much more difficult to breathe when i draw in through my nose so if i'm seated all day or i'm in poor positions all day we naturally default into this taking it back even further is when we decided to start making food a lot easier to chew our jaws started to change and our jaws started to narrow and this narrowing of the jaw also narrowed the maxilla which is where the sinuses sit and so the nose actually was very much designed with filtering all that air that is outside and dealing with it we have more hair on the inside of our nose than we do on the on, on our heads and that that's a fascinating idea but not even idea fact because there's a lot of hair on our head how much how is there that much hair inside of the nose well it just so happens that it's so fine and it's there to protect against particles and things that are coming in along with the mucus and then we've got these turbinates that also help filter the air and 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 then it goes into the sinuses where we warm and humidify everything and all of that process requires a little bit of resistance and that little bit of resistance forces that diaphragm to actually engage a little bit more Mm -hmm. and that gives us the whole mechanical and physiological aspect of why nasal breathing has become so important and so our our goal this month has been to start a fundraiser with our foundation the health and human performance foundation that directly funds or supports firefighter research studies and we've already engaged in one study with the kentucky fire department that was a very inspirational and and pushed this project into full gear but our whole idea here is just to raise breath work awareness around nasal breathing because a lot of people have heard about it and then they just went out the door and started doing it thinking that if they just exercise and shut their mouth that's that's the whole trick and and it's way deeper than that and a lot of people are going to extremes with it that aren't necessarily where they should be going it's like olympic it's it's like trying to olympic weightlift without knowing how to squat you know and and you guys can understand that really well but it's you know it's taking something that could be very complex and really bringing it down to a very bait starting it from a fundamental process so that people can get the most benefit out of it so we're creating a challenge a 20 minute max distance nasal breathing challenge at the end of this where they could either go run or do it on any equipment of their choice um, and we're going to provide the training plan where we can test and retest at the beginning and ending of, of the month mm. and then we select the winners at the end of the month um, and they get a year subscription to our membership and the ready state yoga tune-up prize package um, a, a bunch of different packages including stuff from uh, books from james nestor um, a lot of you know people in this realm um, so that we can actually learn get get people to really start to understand this from a much more foundational perspective i like that analogy that you talked about you know it's kind of like trying to olympic weightlift without you know knowing the first thing about weightlifting and i think a lot of people will hear this they'll hear about oh try just nasal breathing while you work out or you know you should tape your mouth shut and just so you breathe through your nose at night when you're sleeping um i'd be kind of interested where you sometimes will you know tell people to start especially if you say okay try just breathing through your nose while you work out 
some people will try that when they're doing like a 20 minute rowing workout <laughs> or a, a cycling workout and they'll realize in the first minute like wow this sucks i can't do this and, and almost feel defeated so where do you kind of coach people into starting i know of course they you know get to go through that a lot more if they go and sign up for the November challenge but do you have any recommendations for people most certainly um so anybody can go out and just nasal breathe and exercise it's are you willing to actually slow down enough to do that and the problem with human beings <laughs> is we don't actually like to slow down when we do something we just want to go experience it with the ego still connected to it and so some of the easier steps is hey go start with one minute and then mouth breathe after that one minute until you feel recovered and then repeat for us for several different intervals right so it's just applying kind of an interval training concept to it or what i like to do with a lot of athletes is i will restrict them to one breath cycle every five seconds meaning they inhale and they exhale in five seconds so that's 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 12 breaths per minute and that is lower than the norm of what people do at rest as a culture right uh -huh. and they can go as hard as they want so long as they can maintain that one breath every five seconds and that's really what a gear one so we've developed a gear system and gear one is really that foundation of like one breath every five or six seconds. And then gear two is where you start to speed up the inhale. And then gear three is where you have a faster inhale and exhale nose breathing. Then gear four gets into nose mouth. So inhale nose, exhale mouth. And then gear five would be mouth in, mouth out. And there's a place for each, but in getting people to really um, make their energy system efficient we're getting them much more aerobically efficient spending time with that gear one is really important and so just slowing it down to that cadence or even just working for a minute or two and then resting between and not blowing out your sinuses is a very good place to start i love that and and what you do is you really just kind of break it down and you walk it through with people and I think just being able to have this discussion about nasal breathing already helps to raise the awareness of someone who might be just washing dishes, watching TV, not realizing their mouth is hanging open, you know, and it just helps to bring back that awareness. Now, there are some people who also say, well, I have a deviated septum. I can't, you know, comfortably breathe through my nose. Is it always surgery that you have to be going and, and getting that fixed? Is there a way to build the system even with a deviated septum? Ironically, Brian McKenzie has a deviated septum <laughs> as well um, and, and a very deviated one um, that I've actually put on camera many times. I've um, seen it. On, on close shot. <laughs> um, and, you know, it took me some time, but now I function, I primarily function and prefer to function at certain intensities, nasal over mouth breathing, mm -hmm. meaning I'm at a higher intensity rate. And if I were to mouth breathe, I would feel worse if I held that intensity mm -hmm. because the energy switch switches over. It just, it really takes time. And for people who have actually have like deviated septums or sinusitis or stuff like that, 
I actually just put a video out on, on this stuff. They should really engage in a breath practice where it's a standalone, where they're doing things like alternate nostril breathing, specifically sticking to that collapsed side or learning to get into, you know, certain pranayamas like Ujjayi breathing, where you're creating that ocean breath um, and really starting to open those things back up. We are not a, a system, human beings, animals in general are not necessarily a system of use it or lose it that that's that's really been a a big fallacy that's been created although there are certain things where you can lose it mostly we are plastic until the day we die and that includes your nose your sinuses and the system now some people may end up needing surgery um i've had those types of clientele but by and large most people do not if they're willing to start slow enough and be patient and work through the process. And that may mean just sitting there doing some alternate nostril breathing for a few minutes a day, and then slowly working up to being able to exercise slowly while nasal breathing and taking the time to do that. I mean, that's super awesome to hear, especially coming from somebody who has a deviated septum themselves, because I think it's kind of one of those things that our medical system will point towards and say, oh, you have this deviated septum. Yeah. And, and some people <laughs> like to use that kind of and take that in as the, the quote, excuse as to, oh, this is why I can't do this. But yeah. And again, not to say it's not going to be more difficult and not to say it's not going to be a, a longer path that you need to take to continue to work, continue to take advantage of the plasticity that is our human body and get that long term change. So uh, thanks for bringing us through that. I, I also hear you talking tons about just extending exhales and longer and longer exhales or even breath holds. And can you talk to me a little bit or talk to us a little bit about why that can be important and how that helps people master their physiology even more? What we're finding, and, and this is just what we understand right now, it, it, and we've been here for you know a few years, but you know, developing a higher level of co2 tolerance is paramount for most people and that is what extending breath uh, exhales and breath and breath holds ultimately does although it has many other aspects to it like training of the diaphragm and an eccentric contraction through exhale learning how to control that um there's the use of oxygen, you're getting better use of it due to the bore effect and, and what's going on with inside, you know, how we use energy. Um, but by and large, it's developing a higher level of tolerance to CO2, which actually has a calming effect. And unfortunately, so many people have become so sensitive to it that we forget that what they used to do for panic attacks was they would hand people paper bags and they would hand them paper bags because they would rebreathe their CO2. And what CO2 does is it actually vasodilates and ends up calming things down to a certain extent. And so that's why you'll see people like in the waterman community or even free diving community who are some of the calmest individuals, barring there's a big swell. Um, but, you know, these, these are people who deal with incredibly high levels of stress in very volatile environments, Right. How do they control that stress? And the physiology behind that is CO2. And they've learned to manage that panic switch, which is 
involved with carbon dioxide. We know that the amygdala, amygdala plays a role in fear, but what we're starting to learn, and this is the work of Dr. Justin Feinstein and, and, a, and a few others, is that the amygdala plays a role as a CO2 kind of suppressor. Like it, it really is something that allows us to kind of, in, it inhibits the ability to um, tolerate CO2 to some, in some regards. So people who have calcified amygdalas, who've never really experienced fear and live in these really life-threatening states because they don't, they'll, they'll like literally won't think about things that could be fear related. Well, when they're given hits of carbon dioxide, bolus hits of carbon dioxide, they have outright panic attacks mm-hmm. because that, that, it, it, that, that suppressant isn't really there. Right. And so what we're finding more and more about our biology is that there's a lot we don't know. And what we're seeing with a lot of people who deal with anxiety and a lot of stress and don't manage it real well or or, or, or fallen off a little bit is that they're ultra sensitive to CO2. And so that that extension of that exhale and training it or learning how to do some breath holds while doing it to a state of comfort can actually build that tolerance very quickly. And in fact, even in the freediving community where people are holding their breath for upwards of 10 minutes, these folks are not necessarily holding their breath to maximum timeframes. They're actually just holding it to half the time that they could ultimately do. And so when we start to look at that, you go, oh, well, that's not very hard. And it's like, no, it actually isn't. So if I can just get people to actually engage in some nice controlled breathing and then holding their breath until they have an urge to breathe, whatever that may be, we can then start to build on that and repeat that. That starts to build. And all of a sudden, a week or two later, they're like, holy crap, like I'm holding my breath double the time I was and it doesn't even feel like it. And and what and, and then they're communicating, oh, wow, like I'm much calmer right now. Like I'm, I'm noticing my state is calmer throughout the day. And, and yeah, that's because we're getting a hold of that physiology and that nervous system, which is involved in our, in our physiology. And, and we're calming the nerves. We're calming the physiology. We're giving it an opportunity to function at a very efficient level. That's absolutely incredible. Are you, will people have the opportunity to kind of feel that and, and start to explore that in the challenge as well? For sure. They will for sure get a sense of change, a big sense of change through this challenge. There, there really isn't anybody who has openly engaged that I have that I have worked with or heard from that took time for four weeks, three or four weeks to engage in something like this that didn't have an outcome that was not desirable or um, positive. One thing I also want to touch on before we lose you <laughs> is is snoring because I know nasal breathing is so important at night as well. And a lot of and I've run across even friends who are like, oh, you know, I've always snored. It's something that's been forever. So I can't fix it. Like, is is that true? Um, in some cases, it can be only because the jaw and the opening of the airway has changed due to jaw maladaptation. But don't just sit on that. There are actually exercises you can do that will actually help open that back up if you're willing to do it. So this just goes back to what I was saying before. If you're willing to engage in something and participate in your own adaptations, you can get 
to where you can usually get to places that you don't think you can. And so there, there's definitely, there's exercises we can do with our tongues and our breathing that actually can help open up those passages a little bit more and correct and open up even the palate of the jaw to where it starts to open up a little bit wider and creates a, a more uh, open passage for breathing. And so that, that snoring can go away. I, I, I have to admit, I still have a slight snore that I still deal with due to this fact, um, but it has changed tremendously based on the feedback I've gotten. Mm. Yeah, I think that's incredible. And I think, again, that's something so many people need to hear to start and and tear themselves away from the story that we've been living. And yeah. when we are suddenly given a solution to to snoring or, you know, sleep apnea, that is like, oh, we just we need to wear a CPAP for the rest of our life. OK, great. That's that's all I need to do. Um, and like to what you're saying, you've been working on breath for for years, for de- decades almost, I'm sure. And still have this slight snore but that, that's not to say it hasn't come a long 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 way from where it was you know all those years ago so i just think continuing to preach the message that this journey of breath is something that we need to be aware of and be paying attention to for life and that's how we're going to get tremendous and monumental shift in our stress systems and how we breathe throughout the day at night different things that we may be dealing with like snoring or sleep apnea people continue to need to hear that message and i think doing it for a whole month with an incredible community throughout november would be absolutely incredibly uh, an incredible place to start yeah dom i i really appreciate that and and you know i mean i i just want people to understand and, and i you guys are preaching this it's there is no destination just so we're clear this is a journey there's a reason why monks don't stop meditating and using breath control their entire lives. Okay. And these are the people who've spent lives in isolation, understanding breath control meditation in a deep, deep, profound way. We don't have to go do that, right? Not everybody needs to go isolate themselves in the mountains and become monks to understand this. But if we're, if we develop a practice, a practice means that we're continuing on it, just like a movement practice and what you guys are preaching and, and, and based on our relationship and what I know about you guys and based on the relationships that I have with other physical therapists is your job is to not just take people out of pain. Your job is to show people why they're in pain and what they can do in order to change that. And that's what my job is now at this point is to show people how they can actually make the changes necessary in order to empower themselves. And I'm very open to any doctors who want to actually work with this idea of helping people get back to that. Right. And, and really get to a place to where they don't need a CPAP machine, where they don't aren't dealing with sleep apnea, aren't dealing with a deviated septum in the way that they think that they are, are relegated to, but I realize it's not a cure-all either. It does take time and people need to understand that and, and invest in what I would call a practice instead of a destination. That's so important. And I, I think one thing that you mentioned there really chimes inside me is like, how, how do we eventually get more and more doctors and practitioners open to this and, and mainstream and mainline this into how we educate our providers today. Because again, one of the most frustrating but profound stories for me was when I had a former um, 
heroin addict in a clinic that I was working with. And the only solution, he had just gotten in a snowmobile accident and had a dozen plus fractures in his pelvis and couldn't hardly move. He was in so much pain. And and the only thing that the nurses continued to tell him is like, we need to give you some opioids. And he kept saying, I am not letting you put that in my IV. And I went into his room and I breathed with him for 10 minutes and we got him standing to the next, to the bedside table. And that guy, you know, just the profound shift I saw in him in those 10 minutes and the power that he was given. He walked into the outpatient clinic six months later and we just basically sat and talked the whole time because he was just so jazzed up about this thing called breath work. (laughs) And I just, I hope that everybody can have that type of experience and that more and more doctors start to open up to to the tool that we can empower people with. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's an amazing story, man. And I, I've heard many and been involved in quite a few, yeah. even myself, you know, um, like it, it's funny, like people, body workers will work on me and sometimes I'll just start controlling my breathing. They're like, what did you just do? <laughs> and they're like, your tissue just let go. Yeah. Like, I was like, just controlling my breathing. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. what was that? I was like, it's just, it's just games. (laughs) (laughs) That's everything. It's, it's seriously everything. And, and one little tiny question, which is probably silly, but I just want to ask it because we did talk about the hair in the nose. When people trim the hair in the nose, is that a bad thing? When they, when they, when they trim? Yeah. No, just don't chop it down to like, like you want to have some hair left in there And, and, and think about it. Like, you're catching bacteria, viruses, et cetera. And every hair that's in that nose is covered in, in a thin lining of mucus. And that mucus is responsible for all of the, the assaults that your immune system puts on those things. So that things like, think like, like colds and stuff that show up 10 years later, like, like viruses and stuff, they actually, they will remember that stuff and you will be, you will have an immune response to it. So it's super important not to just like pluck those hairs and, and, and not put them too short, but you can trim them. Good mm. to know. <laughs> just great. felt like it, you know, wanted to clarify on that. <laughs> so, so it's okay. You, know, you it don't need hair like... sticking out of your nose. <laughs> <laughs> you can trim it up a little bit. And, and in fact, m- most of that hair, you can't even see. Yeah. We can, we can stay away from the overgrown lawn look, but we can, but we don't want to trim it all the way down to like, don't go getting beard wax for nose hair. Yeah. Yeah. Putting green style or anything like that. Um, <laughs> so we're going to link everything about November in the bio down below. Y'all have to go check out Brian's page on Instagram as well. Just so much information, you know, having to do with breath and how to utilize more techniques or how to try out different techniques. Um, Brian, anywhere else you want people to go to, to find out more information about this stuff? Just hit uh, shift adapt if they want more information. And I mean, literally, if people want to learn how to start a breath practice, we've got free stuff on the site under what we do. Um, and they can test their CO2 tolerance just to see where they're at to where they could start with a breath practice if they wanted. Um, and then from there, it's just like membership. We do webinars. We're, we're, we're just full, full education on all this stuff and how it applies to not only life, but how to use it with training. So great. I mean, you're you really are helping to bring the research forward. Is there somewhere in the research right now that you guys are really focusing on or excited that you're discovering? 
Um, really it's getting the, this stuff with the firefighters off, off, off and going, but there's so many things that are coming in. It, it's really the, the amount of stress that we're seeing right now. So from me, the mental side, um, so I, I really want to go after that. We really want to go after that, but we've got to get a little bit more funding because people don't realize that research requires a lot of money to do. Yeah. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, as fun as it is to be involved in this, it does require people to donate. So if people do have an interest to donate or they like ultimately sign up for this November, this November challenge, hundred percent of it goes to the proceeds to tick off research. But if you're interested in keeping research like this going and you have the means, please help us and donate. It all basically is going to research and getting stuff done so that we can start to find non-pharmacological ways of managing stress, whether it be physical or uh, mental. Absolutely. I mean, so amazing. just like you said, whether, whether you can donate yourself, great, but if not, please just sign up for this, spread it to maybe one friend that yeah. you can help impact, that you Send can- Send it out help give access to the most powerful medicine cabinet in the world, which lies right between our ears. Brian, we appreciate so much all the work that you do. We're super excited to see how the November challenge goes. And, and thanks, man, so much for your time being on. Jen, Dom, I really appreciate you guys doing this and bringing me on again and what you guys are doing and making so simple for people to understand. I just am constantly inspired by Brian, how passionate he he is about what he studies and what he researches, but really what he practices himself. So please, if you're interested at all, go join the November Challenge, donate or pass it along to somebody else. It's going to be such a great month of being able to learn more about your breath and how that can impact the way you feel and the control you have over your physiology. And of course, we have so many more episodes PT Pearls and interviews coming at you. So subscribe to the podcast, maybe leave a rating and review for us on your favorite podcasting app that just helps this information get out to so many more people. We'll see you next time.